The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, sadly, I must say, I think I'm getting used to this, talking to an empty auditorium. I mean, I just pretend and I have a good time. There are some things, though, I'm, I'm having a pretty hard time getting used to. I, I, I really miss you being here for the worship time. As much as these folks are doing a great job, I, I stand over here and I just party. I have a good time. I still worship, but I miss you. I, I wish you were here. I hope you're doing the best you can to stay connected with the, uh, through the church website and our Facebook page. Those are the best ways just to stay in contact. I hope that you're able to do that. But... Um, the other thing, uh, you know, even just to worship and take an offering, I, not, not for the money. You guys are doing great with that. I mean, just incredible through online giving and dropping off checks at the office and mailing them in. But I just want the corporate worship again. I really miss that. I, I can't wait till the day we get back together and observe the Lord's Supper together. I mean, we want to worship uh, Him. And uh, anyway, that, that's kind of where I am. So I, I needed a little bit of something today. We are definitely going to be looking at Acts chapter 10 today and, and studying through that. But uh, I, I need to start thinking a little bit about the day when we're back together. So we're going to begin to discuss reopening protocol, okay? We need to get you thinking because there are going to be some things that are different, of course. I want you to be ready when you come back. So I want I, I know some states are beginning to open up, and at least we can get a sense that something's coming. But you see things are coming in stages. So understand, uh, just remember, the last week that we were together uh, before uh, the shutdown here, we uh, here's a picture of our church audience. Auditorium. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this view before. If you're back in the sound booth, it, this is kind of what we look like. And we were kind of packed in there. I just have to let you know that when we come back, we're going to look a little bit more like this. Okay, you're going to have to spread out just a little bit. Uh, we've talked to the first touch team, you know, the greeters at the door, and uh, told them uh, we're going to have to change some things. This is the week right before we took this picture, Tony Gilbert greeting some people in the lobby. That's, that's not going to go. So we've got some signs ordered. We're going to put these up. No hugging. Not going to happen anymore. Uh, and then uh, this was also another scene from our church lobby the last week before. I'm not sure who that is. Totally inappropriate. We cannot have that. We got some signs like this. No kissing allowed in the lobby. And you know, I hate to be like a stickler or, you know, forcing things as far as like a dress code goes. Not really going to do that. But I do have to say this. You have to wear pants, okay? When you come back, I don't know what you're wearing now. I don't want to know what you're wearing right now at home. But when you come back, you have to wear pants. Okay, with me, we got that. We can be looking forward to that. That's coming. We are going to take a look at Acts chapter 10. However, uh, we're going to take a, a very broad look at it. In fact, we're going to jump back a little bit into chapter 9 and, ver and uh, chapter 8. And before we actually get into it, I, I have two points from Acts chapter 10 or, or, or for today. I didn't know whether to say I just have a two-point message so you get excited about the fact that it'll be shorter or if I wanted to say I got two different sermons so you'd be depressed about the fact that it's longer. And then I thought, who cares? You're sitting at home. <laughs> What's it matter? So we'll just, we'll just go with it. But before we get to those two points, there's just an overall idea that I want to make sure that we remember or a principle from God's Word that I want you to think about. And that is this idea that God is most definitely at work. Okay, he is working in his people. He is working in our lives. And uh, as we think about this principle, there's several different 
passages I could point to and uh, that communicate this to us. Just the idea that uh, God is faithful to complete what he started in us. The idea that he is working, that Christ be formed in us. But most importantly, or I, I sh shouldn't have said that, but one of the verses that summarizes it best is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. Where the Apostle Paul wrote, and he said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. When you dig into that word workmanship and you, you, you study the Greek in that, it's the same word that is used for a poem. Or you put together, a, an artist would put together his masterpiece. Maybe you've heard in word or in psalm that idea that we are the masterpieces of God. But if I could get you to think about that, okay, I am not saying that Pastor James is God's masterpiece or that Dan is, is God's masterpiece or that any individual, uh, just they are God's masterpiece. I want you to look, put your name in there and say, I am the masterpiece that God is sculpting, God is creating. In the Old Testament, Testament, the prophet Jeremiah talked about the fact that we are the clay. God is the potter. He is shaping us. He's putting pressure. Uh, he is using those things uh, in our lives to form us the way he wants to form us. Um, he is teaching us. He is shepherding us. But, but think about the different things that teach us. Think about your teachers. You had some good teachers. You had some bad teachers. As it turns out, some of the worst teachers in our lives are often things like prosperity not always a good teacher. Ease, not always a good teacher. Success, not always a good teacher. But the things that pretty consistently prove to be good teachers are things like pink slips. <laughs> you got the pink slip. Now I have to lean into him and trust him, and, and he's going to grow me in that way. Uh, a trip to a doctor's office when the doctor says, hey, this is a routine checkup, but we found some things. We found some levels that are high. We need to check it out. That, that proves to be a good teacher. And uh, so often, again, even like in, in the family life, when we have to, I use this expression, parent from our knees. You know, our, our kids are, are not going the way we'd hoped they were, and we have to parent them from our knees, praying for them all the time. Those are the things that God is often using as our teacher, and those are the things that he is shaping. This is how many times God has chosen to work in our lives. One last illustration before we move back into the book of Acts. Just if you think about the illustration of an oyster, okay? Oysters, of course, are surrounded by sand all the time. If you've been to the beach, you know that sand gets into everything. Well, oysters have a great filter system, and most of that sand they wash right through. But occasionally, a grain of sand gets stuck and it begins to irritate, and it becomes uncomfortable. And that irritation and that uncomfortability uh, drives it crazy to the, friend, uh, you know, the place where eventually it begins to secrete a covering around that grain of sand. And that covering hardens, and you know what is formed as a result of that? A beautiful pearl. And many times uh, in our lives, we watch God take the hard times, the difficulties, the irritations, and he produces the pearls in our lives. So, as we begin to look at how God is working, uh, we are going to, again, go back here to the book of Acts, and we are going to see that uh, 
One of the main ideas that we're going to capture here is that God works patiently. Now, the two main characters of the book of Acts, if you look in chapters 1 through 12, I think the main character is a guy by the name of Peter. Uh, as you go beyond that, chapter 13 and on, it is Paul. But we're going to see in this section where they kind of overlap, we're going to see how God worked in their lives. And the first outstanding lesson that we need to understand is that God works patiently. See, the apostle Paul uh, is converted. He was Saul. He gets converted in Acts chapter 9. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And right away, uh, he's excited about telling folks about Jesus. He's excited about sharing his faith. He's, he's excited about testifying. And he does so. And I love it when there's a new Christian who's just excited, and they don't know what they're talking about sometimes, but they're just excited. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know what God has done in my life, and I can't wait to share it, and that's how Paul is. But there's a phrase that caught my attention in Acts chapter 9, uh, verse number 23. During this whole time period here, it says, when many days had passed. Okay, Paul had got up and uh, he preached and he testified, but it says when many days had passed. So I dug into that a little bit and I found out that during this first part of Paul's life, it actually was three years. Three years during a time when he was off for a while in training and he was back and he was ministering during this time. And then after those three years, before he's going to show back up in chapter 13, there's another 11 years where Paul is off in obscurity and God is preparing him for ministry. Three years and 11 years, 14 years. Would you just digest that for a minute? Think about all that has happened in the last 13 years. Okay, I'm looking around our room here. I'm seeing, uh, uh, I'm seeing the Browns over here. 14 years ago, there's no Isaac, and uh, there's no uh, Samuel. Samuel was in diapers. Daniel was too, but that's a different story. We won't talk about that. Uh, I'm looking back there. We got uh, Chris. Uh, let's see. He was not married. No, he was married 14 years ago. Just barely, just barely. James was just getting married 14 years ago, and now, you know, they have 17 kids. Uh, Matt Dickey was a single man uh, five years until he got, you know, I was thinking my, my kid, you know, was learning to drive. He's getting his permit, crashing through the back of the garage. That's 14 years ago. Then I got thinking, you know, what's life going to be like in 14 years? You know, these guys are going to be planning weddings or kicking their kids out of the basement. One of the two. You know, something's going to be going on here. Uh, 14 years from now, I'll, I might be dead. I, I don't know where I'll be, but I just got thinking about the magnitude of that time. You know, a few days passed. 14 years, God is, is working. And if we can just get in our minds that God is never in a hurry. Uh, when my wife and I go shopping together, that's kind of a misnomer. We don't really do much shopping together. That means I take her, drop her off at the door, tell her about where I'm going to park, and I go sit in the car. And I always say these words. <laughs> I don't mean them, but I always say these words. Honey, I'm not in any hurry. You take as long as you want. Now, I think after 37 years, she's come to realize that I don't really mean that. There's going to be a time when I go into the store. Well, first of all, I start calling her, which she doesn't answer. And then, uh, uh, then when I start wandering the store looking for her, eventually, uh, you know, hey, take as long as you want, but not quite that long. You know, I, I think there's been a number of times when I've told God that exact same thing. You know, God, if you want to shut things down for a while, if you want to close, you know, have us be online search. Uh, church for a couple weeks, uh, and you want to teach us something through that, God, if that's what you're going to use in my life, uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with a couple weeks. God, I know you're going to have things back open by Easter. That's kind of a big day for you, and uh, I know you'll get it open, but then 
Easter comes, and oh, okay, God, I guess you wanted us to have an Easter. I, I can live with that, but God, now it's May. <laughs> and, you know, isn't it about time, God, don't you want to put an end to this? Don't you want to solve this problem? Don't you want to uh, get things going again? God, I, I don't understand what you're doing. See, I'm good with waiting on God uh, for a little while. Uh, as, and, and I'm good with trusting God to teach me within a certain time framework. But as this just continues, uh, I began to grow impatient again. My mom used to, whenever we were uh, moving a little bit less, uh, not as fast as she wanted us to, she would just say, I guess you're taking your good sweet time about it. Well, that's been my expression sometimes, God. You know, I guess you're, you're taking your good sweet time about it. You know, somebody said this has been a weird leap year. Uh, February had 29 days, and March had 56 days, and April had 147 days. And I think a lot of us feel like that. God, you seem to be taking your good sweet time about this. But if I could share a couple quotes along those lines, one is this. The only thing worse than waiting on God is not waiting on God. Hmm, are you thinking about that? The only thing worse than waiting on God is when we do not wait on God. And another quote is that God is always uh, working. He may not come exactly when we want him to, but he is always on time. So that's one aspect of the idea that God works patiently. God's work is patient. We, we, it doesn't have the time framework. When Jesus was on the earth, he did the work of eternity in two and a half years, but he never seemed to be in a hurry. Uh, the, the, we, don't, we don't catch God in that frantic pace of, I got to get things done. God works patiently. For the second aspect, I want to go over to this fellow by the name of Peter. And uh, we're going to look at this verse in a minute, but before we do that, I want to set the stage by reading the verses leading up to it. So in Acts chapter 10, beginning in, uh, let's see, beginning in somewhere uh, in there, I think it is verse number 9, yeah. It says, the next day they were on their journey and approaching a city, and Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, sometimes I fall into a trance too. But, uh, and they saw the heavens open. So Peter receives a vision here. He saw the heavens open and something great like a sheet descending, being led down by its four corners upon the earth. And if, as it were, there were all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice to Peter and it said this, Arise, kill, and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. Now, I'm reading the ESV, by no means, Lord. Some other translations might say, no, Lord, or not so, Lord. This isn't going to happen. Amazing, isn't it? If there are ever two words that don't go together or two ideas that don't go together, not so or no and Lord. If he's the Lord, we don't tell him no. But Peter figured out a way to do that here. Uh, he said, by no means, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. And what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the things were taken up into heaven. Now, this is an incredible point in the story that God is telling in the book of Acts, because what God is doing here in chapter 10 is throwing open the door of salvation to the Gentiles. God is sending Peter to a guy by the name of Cornelius uh, to share the gospel with him, but as you can see, Peter is resisting that. Okay, Peter is fighting against that. Back in chapter 8, Peter... Uh, God first moved Peter to Samaria. It was a place where previously Peter had wanted to call down fire on the town, but God softened his heart and opened up his heart to the Samaritans. And then uh, 
Previously in this chapter, in chapter 10, he's staying at the house of a guy that's called Simon the Tanner. Twice it mentions that he is a tanner. That does not mean that he's lying out in the sun all the time. That means he's working with dead animals, and that had been unclean for the Jews. So God moves him, first of all, to the Samaritans, and now he's moved him to the place where he can be with his tanner and everything like that. And now God is telling him, what I have cleaned, you don't call unclean. I think it is incredibly significant, and I think one of the things that God is, is saying here is that the kingdom of, in the kingdom of God, there are no nationalities that we remember. But what I want you to see in, in this idea that we talk about how God is working at his patience is that this happened three times. This happened three times. Good old Peter, that seemed to be his magic number. Three times he denied the Lord. Three times Jesus said, do you love me? Now three times God is saying, hey, I want you to take the gospel. I want you to share the good news with the Gentiles. And he's, he, he's not getting the message. Uh, he's, he's a slow learner. <laughs> I love Peter. I can connect with Peter for I too uh, many times feel like I am an incredibly slow learner. Um, somebody, uh, you know, being on Facebook lately, um, I had one person message at the bottom. We, we've been doing these little devotional things on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I, I've been doing them, or, or as one of the elder, other elders. Well, after one of them, one of the people from way in my past uh, wrote a little comment on there, and they said, hey, either you're changing or I'm changing because I'm actually enjoying these. <laughs> so... <laughs> I guess you'd call that a backhand compliment. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but I just responded and I just said, I sure hope I'm changing. And I hope that is always the story, that I am changing and growing and God is working in my life. And I wanted to share with you, I, I think my wife would back this up, the last five or six years of my life, when I am in my 50s, God is changing me more than ever. Don't ever give up and say, hey, I am just the way I am. I am never going to change. God has not given up. And God continues to work. And God is incredibly patient in the way he works in our lives. Would you see this in the life of Peter? Three times this happened and Peter said no Lord no Lord God God kept kept after him and God kept working to produce this change in his life so we most definitely see that uh, God patiently works <laughs> we could say that he takes his sweet sweet time you know I, I wanted to mention with this too the word patient in scripture uh, oftentimes there's a Greek word behind it and it's got two parts to it one is magna which is the idea of long and the other idea is thermo something or other it has to do with heat but it is the idea that God is long towards heat or long towards anger long towards getting mad in other words God is patient and if we can remember that about the working of God that'd be a great thing but as we move on here as we talk about how incredible it is that God's working, I think it is also important that we realize that we cannot get enamored with just the fact that God is working and with his work, with his creation, with all these things about God and lose sight of him. And you'll see what I'm talking about here for a second. There's a verse in uh, chapter 9. Uh, actually, there's two stories at the end of chapter 9 where Peter, first of all, is called to the house of a man who is a uh, who's paralyzed and God heals this man and at the end of that story this is a verse of chapter 9 verse 35 it says and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord okay let, let me set that up again Peter goes in heals this man what happens they turn to the Lord then at the end of Acts chapter 9 there's a story of him visiting a, a lady by the name of Dorcas she had another name given in scripture called Tabitha 
Now, I don't know about you, but if I have a choice between Dora, anyway, we're going with Tabitha, just if you, if you picture the two. But uh, Tabitha is raised from the dead, and then in verse number 42, it says, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So God does a miracle, people turn to the Lord. God does a miracle, people believe in the Lord. This is something we've been seeing all through the book of Acts. Back in Acts chapter 8, a story that we skipped over when we were going through is the story of a guy by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. And never is this idea more obvious than in this story. It says, when Simon saw the Spirit, Simon had been doing tricks and amusing people and everybody loved them, but when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He said, give me some of this power. I want in on this. Okay, I'm going to like this too, but Simon is a classic. By the way, what Peter told him is, let your money perish with you. That ain't happening, buddy. Uh, but the, um, what, what Simon is a classic example is of somebody who gets more enamored with the things God does than with God himself. So I want to look at a quote really in two parts or a statement. We often become more enamored with his work, with the things he's doing. This, this is not meant to be a, a big rebuke or anything, but just an observation. When I am together with people in a small group or, or something like that, and we talk about, if, if I say name something for which you th you're thankful, man, people chime in right away. I'm thankful for, uh, you know, I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for so-and-so. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for the beauty of nature and all these things. If, however, I begin the conversation by saying, tell me a characteristic of God you're thankful for, that really stifles the conversation. We find it a lot easier to focus on, I mean, the last few days around here, hey, we got a little spring is happening, and it's so great to get outside, and I love it. I love to get outside, enjoy God's creation, and, and see that. We find it easy, though, to focus on nature. We also find it easy to focus on the church that God has given. Sometimes the people in it, sometimes just the whole organization and Christianity and everything like that. But we focus on the things that God has given, and we lose sight of God. You know, think about a relationship where we are enamored with the gifts that somebody gives me, but not with a person themselves. That's not going to really create a great relationship. And a lot of times, that's exactly where we go. So to finish this quote, okay, we become more enamored with his work. We also often become more enamored with workmen. Let me show you something. In this story, okay, and Peter got that vision. And it was a message that he was to go to this guy named Cornelius and share with him the good news of the gospel. So Peter shows up at his house. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet. And he did what? He worshipped him. But look at the response, if you would. But Peter lifted him up. Hey, sometimes we rag on Peter. He's got a lot of problems, but this is great. Uh, Peter lifted him up and said, stand up. I, too, am a man. I think we need, to, we need to get a hold of what Peter said here because it is very much our tendency to worship and focus on the work of God and even sometimes the workmen of God. Hey, it's pretty easy to get impressed with ourselves. <laughs> I, uh, we've been doing, okay, I knew Facebook. I had a couple pictures of my family on there for years. So in recent weeks, you know, all of a sudden we're doing this Facebook Live thing, totally new to me. And uh, so, so the first time, it's a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, the first time I did, I did one of these, I was excited. You know, I, I posted it. I hit the right button and got it on there and uh, went in there, and James brought it up on the screen. And he said, hey, 14 people watched. 
I thought, 14 people. Wow, 14 people. I'm going viral. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was incredible. And we have been excited, and, and I think with good reason. Most of our uh, morning services have had, over, well, we've averaged over 1,000 views. Okay, I've been excited about that. Uh, some of the little devotional things we've done during the week, we're averaging over 500 views. Man, you know, Pastor James and I want to high-five and say, hey, Community Church of Edwardburg has arrived, baby. We are on the map. Last night, I thought it'd be fun to Google, how many views does the average cat video get? <laughs> you you want to take a guess? 12,000. It's not even a dog. It's a cat. And it's not even a special cat that plays the piano. It's just an average cat video gets 12,000. Now, I know some of you right now, you're, you're at home looking for a picture of a laughing cat, and you're going to put it at the bottom of the page right now to make fun of me. Uh, or maybe you're Googling and you're saying you're fact-checking. Okay, wait a minute. i got to think there's more than that. Cats are a lot better than him than that. Uh, somebody's going to take my face and, or a cat's face and superimpose it on mine. I, I understand. But I thought, man, what a great, you know, perspective and how easy it is for us to be impressed with ourselves and listen I, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I, I was going to say hey it's okay to have heroes but I, I want you to be cautious about heroes I want you to remember that they're men or ladies okay you have a, somebody that you just love their teaching and you think man they are the greatest thing in the, in the world everything like that please be careful Please be careful. I don't know what cliche I can use. They put on their pants one leg at a time and all that stuff. If you could just remember that they're made of flesh, that they have the potential to fall, that they really aren't all that special. Now, it's incredible that God uses them. And, you know, and, and when you hear a pastor say that, I know I don't deserve to be used. Man, he is spot on. Because we all have flaws, we all have mistakes, and we cannot get more enamored with the things that God gives us and the people that God get, uh, puts in our lives than we get with God Himself. I really feel that um, you know, one of the things that God keeps bringing me back to uh, during our little adventure that we're on right now is uh, I, I really, you know, I'm simplify here for a second, but I think sometimes I feel like God just keeps saying to me, looky here, looky at me, you know, focus on me. But, uh, but God, the, the church, you know, we can't even get to, looky here, you know, focus right, right here. We, ha we find it easy a lot of times to focus on a ministry or a church, to focus on leadership, to focus on Christianity itself. And we make much of those things, but what we should be doing is making much of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, I think, calls us and He says, looky here. He gives us great things to enjoy. And, uh, and we're thankful for them and we worship Him for those things. But many times in the midst of celebrating the things that He's given us and enjoying the things He's given us and even uh, appreciating a person or something like that, many times He gets lost. And I think God is calling us, look here. I, I struggle. Uh, one of the things I feel like I struggle with just as a pastor in general is the closing of services. I, I never, you know, I don't want in any way manipulate people, uh, but yet I want to, you know, open the door for them to respond to God's Holy Spirit. And to be honest with you, at this point right now, when it's pretty much just, just me, uh, it's even a little bit more awkward. And I don't know how exactly to uh, encourage you to respond. But I guess I want you to say, hey, uh, I want you to see First of all, I want you to understand that God is patiently working with you. I, I hope that you will not say, hey, I'm giving up. 
God's work is patient. That's how he works. But, but I hope also you just kind of look again at that relationship that you have with him. And first of all, ask the question, do I have a relationship with him? Have I placed my trust in him for forgiveness of my sins? Am I trusting Jesus as my personal Savior? Have I called to him and said, God, I need a Savior. Uh, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I know that I, that I need redeemed, or that's kind of the fancy word, but simply you just say, God, I know that I need forgiveness of sin, and I trust in you for that forgiveness, and I want to be uh, right with you because I place my trust in Jesus Christ. And... The other thing, I guess, is just that uh, if you would look now at that relationship, um, how's it been going over the last few weeks? Has, with everything else that has been happening, have we kind of lost sight of who he is? It is in our nature to do that. It, it really is. We turn away from, from him. Uh, you watch that throughout. Men's attention is drawn to the gifts of God and even to the workmen of God far more than it is actually drawn to Jesus Christ. I say that from personal experience. So much of my life was all about church and very little about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I could pass along a message, I would plead with you, don't take that route. Don't get so caught up in making much of what he has done, making much of who he has given in our lives, and forget to make much of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Father, May our time here today make much of you. Father, would you change us from the inside out as we look to you? Father, we know you're working. We know you're sculpting and you're creating in us your little masterpieces. But Lord, may that never just be a case where we're, we're faking that. We're, we're uh, through willpower and through you know, just our own efforts uh, we're trying to change ourselves. Lord, may we continue to witness the supernatural work of our supernatural God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.